Live from the entertainment capital of the world, it's the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, still suffering from some sort of diminish, uh, diminishment of my bronchial passages. My voice, friends, is still not back in spite of my best efforts this weekend, so uh, forgive me and bear with me today as the Odyssey continues. I really will always show up here uh, as, you know, even when I'm not doing my best, because there's so much going on that uh, needs to be addressed. So uh, here we go. Happy Monday. Over the weekend, <laughs> I saw a tweet by a uh, local politician here in Las Vegas, Tick Siegerblum. Now, Tick, uh, some of you, I'm sure, know the name. He's been around forever. His family has long-standing political ties uh, to the Las Vegas establishment. Tick himself is a current Clark County commissioner, a former senator, state senator, and assemblyman. And he tweeted out a photo of himself at what I believe was the Parkdale Rec Center, which is over on Ferndale here in Las Vegas. And, and it was with a couple of kids and a... Well, and a, and a person dressed in drag. And he was, he was there in the photo with the, with the, of course, the drag person. Two young kids looked to me to be about, I don't know, third grade maybe. The boy, the girl's looking off the side, the boy looks very unhappy uh, and awkward. The performer is dressed in a, in a skimpy, you know, backless gown. And it says that they participated in a game of drag bingo. I don't know, friends, and I've been calling around to figure out what this was all about. What exactly drag bingo is. <clears throat> I don't get it. And why is this something that needs to happen for, for, with, with the kids? I found the original flyer. By the way, I think Robbie, make note of this, will want to post this. A little later on our Instagram and Twitter page for the What's Right Show. That's at What's Right Show. So you can see this flyer. And it's, um, you know, it's advertising Chalk the Block, Parkdale Pride Day, October 15th, 10 to 2. Mm, so, so far, so good. Fine. There's gonna, they're going to provide chalk for families to decorate a space in the Parkdale parking lot. And then in blue on a black background, you almost can't see it. It says, followed by a game... A family-friendly drag bingo. This event will provide a safe and inclusive environment for the LGBTQIA community, families, friends, and allies. All right, so what is family-friendly drag bingo? It's not a drag show, although they have a drag performer there around young kids. Are they retreating a little bit from the position that a drag show can be family friendly? Is this the toned down version for Las Vegas? Question mark. Is this something where they've decided to scale it back a little bit, try again later, shifting a window of what is acceptable? So here's my view on all of this. I don't care if the performer is gay, straight, trans, black, white, doesn't matter to me. 
This has nothing to do with identity. It has nothing to do with orientation. It has nothing to do with equality. What matters to me is sexualized performances around young kids, which I think is inappropriate. And let me ask you, since we live in Vegas, many of us, although some listening today, as per usual, are from out of town, we have, of course, we are an entertainment town. No doubt. Would you take your kids uh, to a cabaret? You take your fourth grader, you know, where you have straight women and in, you know, revealing dresses, you know, dance in the can-can. What about Thunder Down Under? <laughs> Would you take your kids to that? Remember Zoomanity closed after 17 years on the strip? I looked it up, by the way. What did Zoomanity, it's a, well, if you don't, it's a Cirque du Soleil show that had, that was sexually suggestive. Here's what New York, New York Hotel put out about the show because they were the ones that hosted it. Quote, this show is not for kids. It's intended for adults only. Zoomanity is, and, and here are the descriptors, right? Pay attention to this. Zoomanity is sexy, racy, body, and audacious, which is definitely a part of the Las Vegas experience. More burlesque than circus. Zoomanity is one of those shows you either like or don't. I mean, sexy, racy, body, and audacious. If you look at the description of drag, I mean, that's, that's it. Burlesque, right? It's my point exactly. You don't take kids to this. And the fact that a local politician has to pander, that's what this is. Tick is pandering. Showing up, he's got his equality shirt he's celebrating you know pride date fine that's no objection to this but promoting this type of content in in, in you know in front of our kids i i think is deeply inappropriate now i i engaged on twitter uh, briefly with a friend who of course him and i have very different political opinions and his entire point on this was or his difference of opinion is well, it's, you know, it's no different than going to see Marie Osmond. I totally, fundamentally disagree with him on this. And he wanted to debate me. By the way, you can go to my Twitter and see the exchange. Uh, at What's Right Sam is my handle. And you'll see, you know, I'm, I'm respectful. I'm, just, I'm not going to, you know, here's the, here's the rule of social media. You're never going to change somebody's mind. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in being polite. The fact of the matter is, I just fundamentally, completely, totally disagree with anyone defending this. And I think, friends, that those of us who, th who believe strongly that this is inappropriate, we're in the majority. But people do not want to touch this because it is a third rail politically. The people who advocate for this are, have convinced us that to protest against this stuff is tantamount to being anti-gay or being discriminatory, being homophobic. And it, it couldn't be further from the truth. I was talking to my wife about this. We have some dear friends who are a married couple. Um, 
they're two men. They've been together for years. In fact, they've been married about the same length of time as my wife and I. And our kids, we go over to their home. We've, we've had them over to ours. We, we, we love them dearly. They are great role models for my kids. They're in a long-standing committed relationship. They are both phenomenally intelligent, charismatic people, hardworking, ethical. Those are the, you know, those are the things that matter. But they, we, you know, <clears throat> when we when we're all together, we we just we're just people. This this stuff is unnecessary. It's exhibitionism. And it's intended to break down barriers and acceptance of sexualized content and conversation with young kids. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to call Tick, who's you know, older than me, a boomer groomer, but literally, this is, this is gross and shame on him for not just promoting this event, for going to it and then feeling safe enough. This is the real thing. Feeling no shame in posting a picture about this. Now, there is no talk about this event anywhere in our local media. No one is touching it. This event, it's hard to even find a promotion for it, right? No one's, no one's looking. But we here on the What's Right Show, we always look, and particularly on some of these local issues, they, they think they can just slide this right by us. In the Las Vegas Sun, obviously, and RJ, uh, also, disappointingly, they don't, they don't go after any of this stuff. So it's, by the way, on Twitter, when he did tick uh, Sigurdman posted this, and again, he's a Clark County commissioner. He's not an insignificant person, by the way. Being on the Clark County Commission, those of you who are not from Vegas or perhaps are new in town, it is, an, it is a tremendously powerful political body. Uh, I think in terms of you know, state hierarchy, the Clark County Commission has uh, controls about as much and has as much power as arguably the governorship. So the Clark County Commission, you know, that's, that's the body that oversees the Las Vegas Strip. They have... There, there's a lot of revenue flowing, flowing through the county. So these are, these are powerful people. And that matters, of course, because when somebody with that type of power promotes this kind of thing, I will notice. And so should you. Now, there was a, I'm going to have to take a quick break. This is a great Bill Maher clip from Friday that I want to share with you. It tidies this all up. Uh, because I, I want to get into, of course, what's what happened on Friday night with Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Walker is challenging Warnock uh, for an, a Senate seat in uh, Georgia. And, you know, of course, Herschel Walker is the one who was accused of paying for some abortions of a girlfriend he'd had while married. Uh, Tawdry and, of course, salacious accusations. He's denied them. They finally had a debate. So how does... How does drag bingo figure into the election in Georgia? And I'll explain because it's all connected, friends. Everything kind of is starting to fit together here as this intense uh, political showdown called the midterm 
uh, midterm elections uh, as it draws down to the finish line. Sam Rajofsky, The What's Right Show, continues after this. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back uh, to the program. You're listening to the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. 702-820-1234 is the phone number for Sam and Ash. Open 24-7 for your injury needs. Friends, um, <clears throat> Sam Rajovsky here, of course, with my uh, my ailing voice, but still here showing up for duty. Uh, the, I mentioned just before the break the uh, event that occurred on the 15th, Parkdale Pride Day, all fine and dandy. And then there, apparently there were some family friend friendly drag bingo, and Tick Siegerblum, a Clark County commissioner, posed in a picture with two very awkward and, in my opinion, almost frightened-looking kids next to a drag show performer. Okay. Now, Bill Maher, you all know Bill Maher. He's one of these rare Democrats now that is truth-telling to his own people. He understands or at least claims to understand, uh, the, the, the phenomenon of pushback against all of this crazy leftist wokery that surrounds us. And one of the things that he said on Friday, I think, is really interesting. We were talking, of course, about the Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker election in Georgia, which is literally this close. And I'm going to talk about it today because, of course, Drudge, major headline all day today, has been another 50-50 Senate. It's all red, giant, I don't know, size 36 font with a question mark. I am optimistic that the Republicans will take the Senate more so now than I have been for the past several months. And the reason is precisely for what Bill Maher gets into. It's not really about the candidates, you see. It's about these positions that we are protesting against. And one of the things he specifically mentions, and it's relevant to us right here in Vegas, you know, with this right here in our community, a, a county rec center putting on a uh, family-friendly drag bingo for kids. Marr says, you know, the idea of forcing complicated ideas about race and sex on kids too young to understand it is, well, how might we say, problematic. I talk to deplorables. So let me try to translate, not endorse, but translate for liberal America. Part of the appeal of a Herschel Walker or a Donald Trump or any number of egregious assholes Republicans have backed is, in their mind, the worse a candidate is, the more it says to Democrats, do you see how much we don't like what you're selling? All that socialism and identity politics and victimhood and oversensitivity and cancel culture and white self-loathing and forcing complicated ideas about race and sex on kids too young to understand it. Literally anything would be better than that. And he, of course, I disagree with his characterization of Herschel Walker. 
and Donald Trump. But from his perspective, he gets that the Democratic Party is building a bridge too far. And the difference, of course, between a guy like Bill Maher and Tick Sigerblum here in Vegas is that Bill Maher is significantly intellectually superior to Tick and is able to think independently. He's not an elected official. He doesn't have to pander to the extremes within his party. Those are all factors working in Bill Maher's advantage. Now let's bring it back to the race because there was a debate on Friday between Warnock and Walker. Now both are African-American men. Warnock is a pastor. He is the current sitting senator. He won the seat in a fluke. He had a you know deeply flawed opponent. Uh, so he he you know was first Democrat to carry that seat in a while. He is beatable, friends. He is so beatable, and he's an unlikable dude. Yeah, he okay. He's a pastor. Remember last week I shared with you that he was evicting people from apartments owned by his church for non-payment of rent. Pretty certain that is not what Jesus would do. Nonetheless, we have Walker on the other side who has some flaws himself. He's a former football legend. He has been accused of having some, well, at the very least, uh, problematic, of course, having some extramarital affairs and fathering or getting women pregnant, I should say, out of wedlock and then paying for their abortions. These are allegations that Walker denies. So going into the debate, the basic premise is this. Walker was mortally wounded by these allegations, right? Because he's a pro-life guy, he's a Christian guy, he's running with that fundamental you know, part of his platform, and all of a sudden all, this th- all these things are coming up from his past that are not particularly palatable. So I think that Warnock sleepwalked into it. He thought, here's a sports guy, here's an athlete, he's an idiot on top of it, the wind is behind in, in my sails, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm running high. And every time you do this in, in political theater, you, you tend to lose because you have to prep, 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 and be in a frame of mind to win. Now, Walker's experience, I think, in part as an athlete, he knows how to perform in a, in a clutch way. Now, the debate itself, we're not going to get into the minutiae. I'm more interested in the, in the impression that, you know, that even kind of mainstream media left-wing people have. So here's Sonny Hostin. She's from The View. You know, she's one of these crazy ladies that I, I love to, you know, bring in and, and talk about. It. She's complimentary. She watched the debate with her dad live on TV. She calls it appointment television. Listen to what she has to say. I have to tell you, I watched it with my father. For us, it was appointment television. Um, seeing these two black men represent Georgia, which, is gonna, which could very well change the, 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 uh, the Senate. He did so much better than I thought he did that I think he gained votes. And I'm not talking about Warnock, I'm talking about Walker. I mean, my father said, maybe he doesn't have CTE. That was one of the first things that my father thought in listening to the way he was able to discuss issues, um, the, well, I, I, would, I wouldn't call it so discuss low. issues. He, Come on it, now, it, it, it was it a felt, little, it was a little stuttery for I mean, me. We, we watched it and left thinking Warnock underperformed. Mm-hmm. And that Walker overperformed. Wow. 
Now you heard Whoopi Goldberg in there. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it discuss issues. Come on now. She wouldn't even want she didn't want to hear any of it. I doubt, by the way, Whoopi watched it. But this was a very honest reaction from someone who I think, you know, certainly has is is not motivated in the least to support uh, Walker. So look, the, the friends, this election is it's it's there uh, the senate is within reach all right we come back christopher ray from the fbi using the private jet for personal purposes and china what you need to know next personal injury law is constantly changing uber and lyft accidents aren't like other cases but most law firms haven't kept up don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past call sam and ash 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com Greetings, friends, and welcome back here to the What's Right Show. Bottom of the hour, live and local and beautiful Las Vegas. Uh, friends, uh, we are brought to you, of course, the What's Right Show by Sam and Ash Injury Law. I had a, you know, I, I had to, funny enough, I just got an email during the break from a large, well-known personal injury firm that um, does good work in town. And it was a get out the vote email. And the get out the vote email, of course, when you scroll down all these recommendations, one thing I, you know, they, they go through the judges, what judges to vote for. And then this firm is telling me to vote for Catherine Cortez Masto, Democrat, Steve Sisolak, Democrat, State of Nevada Attorney General Aaron Ford, Democrat, straight Dem ticket. Here's <clears throat> something you ought to know about lawyers in this town. <laughs> Most of them are big time, big league Democrats. And uh, and look, it's just it's something there that a lot of people aren't aware. And I actually think this is why so many conservatives do not hire personal injury lawyers when they get into a situation where they really ought to get some help. Because when they look at the people out there to hire, none of them are the kind of people that really they want to do business with. At Sam and Ash, we are your people. We are the people you can do business with. We are the kind of attorneys that can sit down with you and your family and talk straight, and give you the real scoop, and um, you know have some common ground and beliefs uh, that we share together. So this matters. And remember, too, the the... You know, we conservatives, we tend to be very trusting and believe in the golden rule to do unto others as we would like done to ourselves. And when it comes to the insurance company, when it comes to being hurt in an accident, you can't just trust that they're going to do everything right because the insurance company, they, friends, they're profit motivated. And we're okay with that. We understand that. We're capitalists. You can't go into that relationship, into that dealing, that negotiation thinking that as long as you do everything right, they will treat you fairly. That does not exist. You need a lawyer in your corner helping you with your claim. You're not going to go in and file a lawsuit. You're not going to go in and start World War III. We're going to simply take care of you and guide you through the process. It's what Ashley and I do great. Sam and Ash, because we're the firm you can trust. All right. Christopher Ray, 
Speaking of another liberal lawyer, he's the head of the FBI. And a bunch of FBI agents are grousing about something big. And again, I don't think this has really hit the mainstream media yet, but it could end up being yet another blemish for the FBI. It has to do with the use of the FBI jet. Yeah, the FBI has a G550 jet. With, well, this is, I knew it was about probably about 60 million. Use these planes for about 38 million. It's not cheap. And the plane was purchased, financed for the purposes of being able to deploy counterterrorism strike forces throughout the world. Now, the problem is, is that Christopher Ray has turned it into his private taxi. The New York Post, in an article written by Miranda Devine, details how many trips it's taking to his vacation home up in northern upstate New York, to Atlanta, where he and his wife share a home, back and forth, back and forth, up and down, north, south, east, west, multiple, multiple flights. Now, what's the rule here? The rule is, of course, that if you're using the government airplane, you got to reimburse the government uh, commercial rates, which is, of course, nonsense because this plane, I think, costs about $8,000 an hour plus to operate. What's a first class ticket from Atlanta to D.C.? You know, $1,200, $1,500. So you're paying $1,500 for a trip that, that is costing around, you know, there and back, uh, you know, call it a hundred grand. So we're, um, <clears throat> this story could end up blowing up and being something big and could see the demise of Christopher Ray. Certainly the timing of all this occurring as the Republicans are poised to take over the House. If they do that, of course, they can initiate investigations. Certainly, this is something that they intend to look at. A couple of members already have written a letter to the FBI to show proof of receipt of funds from Director Ray. So we will follow this story. Now, the other bit of news, unfortunately, that affects us that nobody wants to talk about too much because it's, well, it's on the other side of the world and it sounds complicated, is what's happening in China right now. President Xi Jinping, he just spoke over the weekend opening a party conference. This is an event that happens uh, once every five years or so. Uh, this is a speech marking Xi's 10 years in power normally by precedent set since Mao died Every president of China, every leader of the Chinese Communist Party has always left after two terms, two five-year terms, kind of like, you know, George Washington. And she's come along and said, no, I'm not George Washington. I'm, I'm FDR. <laughs> I'm Mao. And he is absolutely doing everything to seize control of China. Now, why is this important? Look, friends, China is dangerous. China, unlike Russia, has a military that could threaten us. China has territorial ambitions throughout the world. Their Belt and Road financial campaign is quietly snatching up, buying through financial means, indebtedness, and the like, strategic ports 
airports and waterways throughout the world. They intend to become a global power. We here in America cannot ignore this. And so it's important to listen to what the head of all of this has to say. Now, he's putting himself out there based on the speech that, you know, I, I was following the reports on occurred on Sunday, opening the week-long party congress taking place at the Great Hall of the People on Tiananmen Square in central Beijing. She cast himself as this, you know, decisive helmsman, as an autocrat, certainly, and used a lot of language that put him on par with Mao, who is the founder of communist China. Now, what's alarming in all of this? Well, a lot of our economy, unfortunately, because we're foolish, is tied to China. Now, China's economy is cratering, absolutely cratering. Do not let anyone tell you that China's doing great. There, uh, the, some of the things I'll tell you what's, what's going on. Uh, for example, they have real problems right now with, with their banks. Their banks are failing. Their real estate prices are crashing because they just, they, they built whole cities and no one showed up. They built whole cities speculating that those units, those homes, those condos would all be sold. None of it happened. Think, I mean, it was Vegas 2006, like on steroids. So that is all crashing down. At the same time, you've got a ruler who started out when he came into office in, in 2012, he was promoting capitalism. And then they had some you know, market turmoil. And all of a sudden he goes, I don't think I really love capitalism because it's a threat to stability. And so she began getting government involved, making more government investment in companies and businesses, which we know, right? We conservatives, we understand that anything that's built by the government is not going to work as well as things that are built by the state. By the way, this is an important lesson for some of the people running our country right now, no? Give you an example, but Exxon, right? Exxon, Texas-based company, oil produced ones, you know, terrible companies, merchanting in, uh, in, in uh, <laughs> fossil fuels, okay? Exxon, when compared to PetroChina, which is state-owned, which is supported by the state, which is larger, based on return on assets, the Texas-based Exxon is about three times more profitable than PetroChina. And yet they have, PetroChina has twice the revenue. And why? Because there's too many workers. They've got way more workers, 400,000 employees, six times more than ExxonMobil. And so they have a twice the revenue return for each full-time worker, Exxon does. It's just an illustration. The government never does it better. And so we have this country out there who's aggressively militarizing, building aircraft carriers, stealing from us our secrets, taking our technology, getting in bed with every American company that wants to do business in China because, of course, it's a giant market and profit is important. Everyone from Disney to Nike to ESPN to the NBA, 
We're beholden to them with our debt. And what does a company, excuse me, what does a country like China do when their economy begins to falter and they have a strong autocrat that wants to remain in power? Well, they refocus matters on national and nationalism. They start to look at, well, this would be a great time to make it all about Taiwan. Looking to annex by force a territory that, of course, doesn't belong to China, but they think it does. Where, by the way, important to us, one of the world's top producers of semiconductor chips and other technology that is vital to our strategic interest. So the world, friends, is, I mean... I'm always optimistic that in the end things work out, but this is a risk. And you've got a guy across the pond that is talking about, you know, in very scary terms, how big of a, you know, how big of a strong ruler he's going to be and how they're going to take over the world. So what is the West doing about this? What are we doing about it, right? I mean, we're sitting over here. We're just continue to get ourselves in debt with China. We haven't diversified ourselves nearly enough from Chinese manufacturing. And then we have articles like this one in abc.net. This article is amazing. To understand China, quote, you need to understand whiteness, and yet it's missing from the conversation. I'm not making this up. It's not about strategy. It's not about geopolitics. It's all about race. Quoting from the article, the Chinese Communist Party has a deep racial consciousness. <laughs> what? <laughs> the people who are, who've wiped out ethnic Tibetans, who have, who are, Literally, as we speak, putting Uyghurs in re-education camps, gypsies and others. Are you kidding me? The Chinese Communist Party has deep racial consciousness. This kind of stuff, this is, this is why we have, to, we have to fight back internally here in this country and elsewhere. Because this, this is how intellectuals, left-wing intellectuals, think about these things. And in the process of being completely consumed by their wokeness, they are missing real national security threats. And the worry, of course, I have is that people that think like this are at the Pentagon, are in the CIA, are in other areas of national security, you know, making decisions and informing the strategy of the United States at the highest levels. So... I will be following this, of course, very closely. Of note, Warren Buffett, you know, one of the wealthiest, most successful investors in the history of the world, is divesting from his Chinese companies. I read somewhere that he was an early adopter of uh, BYD, which is a rival to Tesla, number one electric car manufacturer in the world. Uh, he put in a 10% stake. Now he's selling everything. And that's because he really sees a hard landing for the Chinese economy moving forward, and he sees it being an inhospitable place. So always follow what the rich guy is doing who cares about money. 
and not ideology. I don't think he's sitting around Warren Buffett going, you know, I just, you know, it's really, I need to understand it from the concept of whiteness. Now, he's moving his money out because he's a little worried about what the future will hold. All right, don't go anywhere. I, uh, more on this, and um, yeah, I'll, yeah, I saw this too. You know, the, the Secret Service charged exorbitant hotel rates by Donald Trump's company. I'll mention that when I return. Sam Rajofsky, The What's Right Show, here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome back. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Friends, a little bit of programming announcement here. April Becker, who is running against Susie Lee uh, in our third congressional district, April will be here in studio with me tomorrow. So I look forward to sitting down with her. And if you've got any questions you'd like asked or any comments, please reach out to me, Sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. That's spelled out fully. And that is my email. So yeah, April will be here. I love April. If you have not heard from her, uh, you really you really need to you really need to listen to tomorrow's show. Uh, she is a phenomenally bright. She's one of us, uh, a great lady. She's got a tremendous family. Uh, her husband, her kids are, are, are fantastic people. And, you know, she's a lawyer in town that has a tremendous reputation uh, for integrity. And I cannot think of anyone better suited to represent Nevada in the U.S. Congress. So April Becker here tomorrow. The other programming note, and this one is very important, although it's a little ways out, friends, because... Uh, This is going to be a lot of fun. So the election is on the 8th. Now, we've decided here at the station at KXNT that we would not do election night coverage live because there will be, we're going to be waiting for results, right? I don't think this is an election that's going to get decided uh, Tuesday evening. So what we will do instead is do a long format show live on the 9th. And we're going to go two to five, and I will co-host this show for three hours with Alan Stock, my good friend. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to take apart everything that happened in the election. We're going to explain what it all means. I'm sure there will be some, some, some fights and issues that are, that are still ongoing at that point. We'll discuss it. Uh, we probably will even take some live calls, so you're welcome to call in. It's going to be a lot of fun. Alan is is tremendous, and he's a, he's a good friend, and I enjoy, I will enjoy tremendously having three hours with him, going over the results and everything that happened. I hope and trust it will also be a time for celebration, and renewed optimism, in the direction of this country. So that will be on the ninth on Wednesday, the day after the midterm elections, right here on News Talk eight forty KXNT. Uh, friends, let me also tell you, I saw this news story and it, this stuff really bothers me because it's so cheap and unnecessary. Now there's an allegation that the Trump org, uh, charged the secret service a lot of money whenever they stayed at Trump org properties. Now here's my, here's my view on this. Every president does this. I remember, who was it? Was it Carter? 
he he would charge the as when they'd go down to his place in in Georgia he had a I mean it was basically an outhouse I mean it was a small little guest house on his property and charged charged the secret service agents staying there you know thousands of dollars a week to be in this tiny little shack I I understand of course that there is a cost associated with guarding the president and Republican or Democrat, that cost is important. But this is a terribly bad look. If they're charging, like I'm hearing, if they're charging basically $1,000 a night for a room where the, the rate, the market rate for that night is $350 or $450, then that's not okay. So I'll, I'll look into this story. I, you know, obviously, I, I think... A number of presidents have done it doesn't make it okay. Remember, Trump ran and promised to not have a salary, and he didn't. I, to my knowledge, he didn't take a presidential salary, but he quickly adds up when you, you know, charge you know the Secret Service and the government one point four million dollars over the course of four years. All right, I'll be back tomorrow. April Becker, our future congressman, will be here with us. Have a wonderful day. I promise to get my voice back as soon as possible, friends. Always great to be with you. Sam Marjofsky, The What's Right Show, back tomorrow.